Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, friends. Happy to be here. I'm well rested. Life is good. We're not sick. Knock on wood. Life is pretty decent, right? Except for aliens. I'm choosing ignorance. I don't know if it's aliens or Russia or China or all of them. I don't care. I don't want to know. How's that? We've got a great show for you today. First, we are talking about your kids first crush. I remember mine. I used to chase him around the pre-K classroom trying to give him a kiss. Mine was just going in hardcore for years. Then we're talking moms who medicate, and we are not talking about the ones that your psychiatrist is giving you, which are the ones I'm on. The pros, the cons, and the dangers. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag, and up next, take it away, kiddos. Cake and chips. I love Orange Theory. I hate to say it. I love it. I'm doing it twice a week. I like challenging myself. I feel good. Today, I noted that my heart rate recovery was so much better than it was when I first started, which is why I came. And also the play is coming together. There's actual acting going on stage. It's not happening all the time, but I'm seeing little bursts of actual acting for these sixth graders. That's a rare thing. And it's just very exciting. I'm excited to see it. Thank you. My tits are twofold. You mean your shits? Yeah, my shits. One, Tech Week is killing me. We have three weeks of Tech Week because the kids run the show. They run the soundboard. They do the sets and everything. So we need three weeks instead of one. And then the big shits is my child is a nonstop masturbator. The school called me. She can't stop rubbing her vagina on a chair. She is flicking the bean constantly. It's red and sore. I've had to have so many talks with her. She was sneaking, doing it on my mom's leg. My mom's like, oh, she's so nervous. I'm like, mom, she's masturbating on your leg. My mom's like, ah! She was humping her like a dog? No, she rocks. Oh my God. And it's constant. It's nonstop. This is so beyond anything I've had to deal with. So what do you do? Do you take her to like a child psychologist? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know what to do. Maybe you have to slut shame her. I don't want to slut shame her. I'm just like, it's okay, but you can't do it in public. There's a time and a place. I am at a loss. I don't know what to do. So now I'm just ignoring it for a little while because I'm exhausted. Have you Googled it? No, I don't have to Google it. I've just been trying to pretend it's not happening for a little bit. I feel like child chronic masturbation is probably going to put you on some kind of list that you don't want to be on. But also at age four? Yeah, it's a lot. Maybe a child psychologist is the way to go. I don't know. I mean, I think she needs a child psychologist anyway because of her chronic picking her nails. Maybe this is another outlet of that. I don't know. I think it is an anxiety thing. I don't think it's a sex thing. I think it relaxes her. I mean, girl, I know. But Lee's like, I don't want my kid to go to a child psychologist this early. I don't want to stigmatize her. Would you rather she's just masturbating on her grandmother? You prefer that, Lee? That's the title of this episode, masturbating on your grandmother. Oh my God. So that's it. (laughs) That's all I got going on. Cool. That's fun. I'll start with my tits. I feel so weird just talking about Sebastian after all that. Sebastian had a really big, good week. He got a great report card, which by the way, I don't know if this is just kindergarten or what. Grades are not ABCDs. That's how it is at the school that I work at too. The E and the S. Yes. It's weird. What the fuck is this? They redid math and now they just redid grades altogether? I was just going to say, it's like new math. Well, he got a lot of E's, so that's good. For X to see. For exceeding 
something. Expectations. Yeah, sure. And then S is satisfactory. I guess that's a B. I don't know. Anyway, he lost his first tooth. I know. That was shocking. It happened so quickly. It happened so quick. It was loose at the show and then it just went. He just went, my tooth hurts. And he pushed it and we were like, oh my God, you have your first loose tooth. And then within, I think a day and a half, two days, he pulled it out. And I just can't believe it happened so quickly. And he really, really, really wanted to be student of the month and he got it. I was nervous about what would happen if he didn't because he was really talking it up. All of a sudden he was like, oh, tomorrow is the day that they announced student of the week. It's going to be me. And I was like, do you know it's going to be you? And he goes, no, it has to be. Maybe they hinted at it, kind of. I asked. He said no. I think he was just feeling it. All I could think is, oh my God, if this kid doesn't get student of the month, this is going to be his first heartbreak. I don't know how to handle that other than this is life, honey. We always talk about not wanting to be the kind of parents who give their kids trophies for participating. But at the same token, when you come face to face with disappointment in your kids, you're like, maybe I should just go out and buy you a trophy just in case so that you got one anyway. You're my student of the month. I really was eating my words. I'm glad you didn't have to figure that out yet. Me too. Meanwhile, I'm dealing with a chronic masturbator. Two very different parenting experiences right now. In other news, he was still a pain in my ass. He was not the nicest to me. And usually he calls me his angel and he loves me. Usually he's all about his mama. And that week that all this went down, he was kind of mean to me. Maybe the celebrity is really getting to him. Maybe he was just too big for his britches. I mean, I talked to you guys about him being overconfident and I had to talk to him about people aren't dumb. They're just not as advanced as you sometimes. You can't just call him dumb because of that. That's really insulting. That is not student of the month behavior. But he asked me some question that was easy for me that I knew the answer. And he goes, Mama, you're very smart. You're so smart. You're smarter than me. And I was like, well, you're five. I have a college education. I literally am a college graduate, but okay. (laughs) Although there might be a time pretty soon that he might be smarter than you, you know? And I said that. I was like, in two years, you're going to be smarter than me. It's fine. You already know left from right. And that's a big step ahead of mommy. Yeah, we're not there yet. The other thing is this year's my 20th high school reunion. Oh, I went to mine. I remember we were recording the show. No, it wasn't your 20th. No, I missed the 20th. Oh God, I graduated high school in 1996. I graduated in 2003. I don't know. I can't math. Call Sebastian to do the math for us. Wait, 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 wait. What was it? 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. So it's seven years later. Wait. We are so dumb. My five-year-old is smarter than me. We, from the beginning, we've said math is not our strong suit. Anyway, I graduated high school. In 2003, and this will be my 20th high school reunion. I can't believe I'm this old. There were 16 kids in my graduating class. We have a podcaster. We have a U.S. congressman. Are you the podcaster? Yes. Also, Ezra Miller is a Hudson School alumni. Oh. You know, we don't talk about him. He was not in my grade. You know, in my grade, we have some pretty successful stuff. A lot of people that are like real, intellectual. Actual smart people. Yeah, like study native cultures in Uruguay and write books on it. Fucking smart ass people. And I'm like, I do a mom podcast. But because I went to such a small school, there's no committee. Two girls reached out. They reached out to me and my frenemy that I've talked about for so many years, my childhood best friend. And all four of us are on an Instagram DM and they were like, hey, we want to plan it. And all of us responded except for my childhood best friend. I am already spiraling kind of because of it because I'm sitting here like, is it because of me? Because I 
I've moved on. And in my mind, I'm really excited to potentially see her and see how her life is and catch up. Maybe she doesn't want to do because of me. It's probably not about you. Of course it's not about me because not everything in the world is about me. I'm not trying to be like, no, I know. Neither am I. I think you're right. I mean, obviously I'm right. I'm always right. I just think it's crazy that 20 years later and I'm going right back to high school thought patterns and I don't like that. So work to be done there. Good thing I've therapied this afternoon. This is a New York Times article, the paper of record, about the child's first crush. The woman who wrote the article talked about her child being in kindergarten, just to give you guys some scope. Sebastian, where he is. She was, like, talking about how she, like, love, love, love this boy, and even dreaming of her wedding, talking with her other little girlfriends. That was me in kindergarten. His name was Daniel Cohen. Joe Scullion. All the way through, for, like, 20 years. So she was like, this seems a little early. I'm a little bit nervous. She consulted with experts in sexual health, elementary school education, and psychology, and all of the said that this type of behavior is perfectly normal, but children may need guidance from their parents to navigate their newfound feelings. Now, this hit different because of Luna's masturbation and her telling me that she's married to Ryan and that she likes Ryan because he's bad on the playground, but nice in school. I'm like, oh my oh, God. No. Oh my God. Oh, don't do no. that. Please don't let her be into bad guys. I'm just like, oh boy. Carrie, fix your child, please. <laughs> Not that your child needs to be fixed. I didn't mean it like that. Okay. So what we traditionally think of as a crush, that intense infatuation with someone, usually happens to older children kind of undergoing puberty. And it's a safe way for them to explore their newfound feelings. I was boy crazy. I think pretty much as soon as I came out of a vagina, I was like, who's a boy and who can I like? We're going to go into the different kinds of crushes. Okay. So when elementary age kids talk about crushes, it's a little bit different. It's more akin to admiration, but because of outside influences, adults, media, whatever, they see it through the lens of romance, but it's honestly more their way of exploring complex relationships and complex feelings. The one thing we don't want to do is dismiss your child's crush as silly or trivial. What they are experiencing is real and can feel and be very powerful. It's passionate, but in a platonic sense. I'm already doing all of these things wrong. Focus on the friendship rather than teasing them or even being playful about a budding romance. Oh yeah, I'm definitely doing that wrong. Yeah, me too. This teaches them the importance of friendship and sets the foundation for future healthy romantic relationships and helps them fixate less on adult rituals like marriage and kissing. Instead of, that's so cute, do you want to marry Tim one day? Say things that are like, what is it that you like about Timmy? Do you want to have a play date? I have asked, like, what do you like about Ryan? That's when she said, because he's a bad boy on the playground. <laughs> nice and cool. Also, he has a lot of other girlfriends. That was the other thing she liked about him. Oh, Jesus Christ. And you know who told me Luna and Ryan were married? Her best friend, Eva. I didn't even hear it from Luna. You are in so much trouble. So much trouble. You're going to have to send her to boarding school. Lee was like, I'm glad I'm going to be like 90 when she goes through puberty. Honestly, if I were Lee, I'd feel the same way. I'd be like, I want to be as close to my deathbed as this girl becomes a teenager. (laughs) I'd have to take up hard drugs. So it also, they say, refrain from assigning adult labels to their relationships. Like, is this your new boyfriend? I'm already doing that wrong. I say that she's going to marry both Sebi and Atticus. Idealizing these kinds of relationship dynamics can suggest that these relationships are critical to being happy and complete as a person. And it also really reinforces traditional gender roles. Also, ask open-ended questions. That's just a blank statement for kids everywhere. Always ask open-ended questions to kids. Can you give me an example, and maybe this is really dumb, of an open-ended question as opposed to a close-ended question? Do you like Timmy? Is close-ended. Close-ended. What does it mean? 
mean for you to have a crush on Timmy? What does it feel like? Close-ended would be yes or no questions, basically. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Maybe share a story from when you were younger. This one time when I was four, I masturbated on my grandmother's leg. Something like that, you know. Make sure you're not shutting them down. If you laugh or mock or downplay it at five, they will remember it at 15. That one right there put me in my grave. That basically something you do wrong at five, they will remember at 15. I was like, great, great. I'm going to start drinking right now. Pour me a stiff one. Use it as an opportunity to discuss consent. I have done this a little bit. Consider how it might make the other person feel chasing them around, for instance. So she was just saying that her daughter was going around and trying to kiss on the cheek, this boy, and he wasn't really into it. Oh, that was me. So instead say, consider how it might make the other person feel you keep chasing them around. We always want to make other people feel safe. Keep it light. Kids at that age are still learning how to respect other people's boundaries, including personal space. Just say, you know, you ask for permission and then you have to respect the answer that you receive. Ask the kids to pay attention how their friend is feeling. What did their body language say? What did their faces convey? And finally, what were they saying verbally? I think that's just a great thing even for adults to remember, to be like, how does their body language? I mean, teaching kids to read social cues is probably one of the least cut and dry challenges parents have. It doesn't mean it's not important to teach. It's just more challenging. And if a child tries to kiss another child, remind them that this type of behavior is actually safe for adults. That's great. You like this person and you want to explore that friendship, but that's not how you show them when you're six years old. That's a good tip. Ask them if they want to hold hands or give them a hug. Right. And then respect the answer. Try role-playing to have them practice boundaries. Remind them that it's okay also to tell someone else not to touch them, that they have those boundaries themselves. My daughter's main crushes, aside from Ryan, who she's already married to, but she says she wants to have lots of husbands and wives when she grows up. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. But no children. That's what she said. I agree with her on these things. Her first main crush is the gecko guy. The gecko gecko. Yeah, she has a framed picture of him. And every time we see him, she is like, that's my boyfriend. And my mom has taken to sending Valentine's Day, Christmas, Easter cards from the gecko guy. And Luna thinks it's really the gecko guy. And she's like, he's my boyfriend. He's very famous. I hardly ever see him. Does anyone else have someone who is in love with the gecko guy? Is it weird? (laughs) My child is very odd. That's for sure. And then Atticus and Sebastian. And Sebastian, they're like an old married couple. They have a very weird relationship. Every time we see them together, it's like, they might just be brother and sister. Yeah, we're not sure. It's a very flowers in the attic kind of situation. Maybe even just thinking about it goes against this article. Exactly. Thinking about is going against this article. He talks about girls in his class, but he doesn't talk about having a crush on anyone. He doesn't really say he has a girlfriend. My concern is that he doesn't want to talk about it with mommy or daddy. That's what concerns me is that he wouldn't want to talk about it. Not like Luna. She's like, hey, I rub my vagina on everything. She's telling everyone. Honestly, he might just not be in that phase just because I was boy crazy my entire, entire, entire life doesn't mean that he necessarily is. And I'll say like, oh, is Amy your girlfriend? Which we're not supposed to do. Well, now I know. I didn't know that. I'll say like, do you have a crush on Amy? And he'll say like, what's a crush? Every time I ask, what's a crush? And I say, well, it's when you like someone the way that mommy and daddy like each other. It's when you crush someone with your love. He won't fess up to it. He'll say like, oh, Amy's my best friend. He's like, I read the New York Times article, mom. Try to keep it healthy. I can read. He's like, mom, I have boundaries. I know you don't know left from right, bitch, but I have boundaries. You may or may not be smarter than me. The jury's out. Remember that time you and Carrie tried to do math about your high school reunion? (laughs) Well, let's remember that. I'm smarter than you, mother. (laughs) I don't know. I just hope it's that I'm making a bigger thing of something. Your hope 
hoping we're just bad parents and not that he's being secretive. Yeah. I really want to have a relationship where he could talk to me about anything. And I just think it's fun. I want to know. For me, it's just gossip like anything else. He's not into that. Maybe he's just not feeling the feelings. I mean, great, because my child's feeling all of the feelings. Then I start to wonder, this is where people get upset with me because I'm like, maybe he doesn't like girls. Also, he doesn't have to know right now. 100%. That's the point of all of it. This is not a thing he needs to have an answer for. It's like a non-issue. Exactly. It's just me being a gossipy bitch and being like, tell me what's up. I want to know. Mommy wants to chit-chat. I am that way too, which is exactly why I had this article because I'm like, we're doing it all wrong. I know. Well, I'm glad we know now. We still might continue to do it wrong and forget, but we know. We have some guidance now. So I drew from a couple articles. And also, these articles are interesting to me. Please follow our Patreon because I will be posting some content about my interest in this. So if you too are interested, please go onto our Patreon and you can see a little bit more on this subject. I drew from two places, the New York Times and the Washington Post. The New York Times article is around psychedelic therapy, ketamine, mushrooms, what's it about, what are the risks, what are the benefits. The Washington Post article was microdose mushrooms for anxiety and depression in mothers. Many moms are microdosing mushrooms. It's like a trend. Many are using it in hopes of treating depression, anxiety, and trauma. They feel more comfortable taking something natural, I put that in quotes, such as a psilocybin, which they don't have to take every day, like an SSRI. When you say that's natural? Because it's from mushrooms. Oh, okay. Psilocybin is mushrooms. I don't know my drugs as well as you. SSRIs are serotonin. Lexapro. Prozac. Right. Stuff like that. So microdosing is taking 5 to 10% of a full dose. And by full dose, we mean they call it the hero's journey or heroic dose. It's tripping. When you take it to get fucked up. Right, to trip. A full dose is two to six grams. And a microdose is more like 100 milligrams. And it's only taken every 48 to 72 hours. How they recommend it, if you're microdosing, is you take for a couple days and then you take a break. And then you take for a couple days and you take a break. Mushrooms are only legal in Oregon and Colorado. Many states have decriminalized them, but it is still illegal, aside from Oregon and Colorado, to buy, sell, or consume magic mushrooms, so to speak. So decriminalizing it means it's not legal, but you won't go go to jail. jail. Correct. Got it. Perinatal mood concerns such as anxiety and depression affect up to 20% of new mothers. Psychedelics are not accepted as robust evidence-based treatment for these disorders, but many psychiatrists are looking very forward to having psilocybin as a legal medical option to offer women who are not helped by SSRIs. Now, Johns Hopkins University has been doing a huge study on psilocybin and ketamine for people with major PTSD and trauma, like Vietnam vets or vets of any kind, and it is showing pretty amazing results. It's not microdosing, it's full dosing, and it's done in front of a therapist talking you through it. Microdosing can help people, but that doesn't mean that the mushrooms do their work for you. There is no magic pill or plant that helps you bypass the healing of childhood trauma or any trauma or symptoms of anxiety and depression. That's a very good point to make. But this sacred medicine, when used with intention, respect, and care, can powerfully support your paths to healing and evolution. You got to be doing some other work. Ain't that the truth? It's not just going to clear everything up. 
as of right now, that's the case with all medication. But some people do use SSRIs and then don't go to a therapist. I feel very strongly about you should not be taking any kind of drug that you get from your psychiatrist without also seeing a psychologist. Some people talk to their psychiatrist, but really the psychiatrist is there to diagnose and give you the right drugs and check in. They're not really there for talk therapy. Talk therapy is done with a social worker or a psychologist. I personally think that you should not be on any kind of medication unless you're also doing talk therapy. I agree. You're just numbing things as opposed to actually trying to solve a problem. I mean, I think if you have psychosis, then maybe just the medicine will help, but there's someone should be monitoring that pretty closely. Yeah, I don't know when the last time I talked to my psychiatrist was. And honestly, she's not a good psychiatrist and I would not recommend her. I don't know when my next appointment is. I don't think I have one. I don't know when the last one is. However, I see my therapist every other week. You guys know how I feel about Fran. I love Fran to the depths of my being. But I had a really good psychiatrist in the city, but I hated talking to her. But she was so good at finding the exact right mix or dosage. She was like the queen of chemistry. I didn't really like talking to her, but I didn't need to because I had Fran. She was also Basquiat's longtime girlfriend and owns the largest collection of Basquiat. Well, that's fun. She's in all the Studio 54 documentaries. No wonder she knows the right cocktails of drugs. Listen, I trust that woman. I wouldn't trust Basquiat. He was not on the right cocktail. This whole idea of psychedelics goes against the notion of what a mother is, quote unquote, supposed to be like, right? Moms aren't supposed to be doing drugs. However, there's a huge trend of moms getting together, microdosing, and then sharing their experiences and feelings with each other. It's like a mom's night out, but with drugs. So research seems very promising. In a 2021 study, researchers found that microdosing decreased symptoms of depression and anxiety in both men and women. Long term. Long term. Because the difference is SSRIs don't change your brain chemistry permanently. Psilocybin changes the neural pathways, similar to meditation. So meditation changes the neural pathways. And CBT therapy. Right. You are actually changing the way that your brain fires to which synapse to create new neural pathways that then stay even when you stop doing it. Whereas SSRI's benefits leave you once the half-life of that SSRI is out of your system. You should always check with a medical professional to see if any drugs that you are currently on interact with the psilocybin or the ketamine or whatever it is that you're taking. Think about who is making the medicine, where it is grown, and who is benefiting from the sale. Now, I will have more details about this and different organizations that you can look at, but part of this thing about it being natural and being plant medicine is to respect its origin, respect where it's made, and to do it with intention. And so if you're really going Going down this journey and you're being really intentional about it, I'll put it in show notes. I have the resources of where you can check about what it is, who's profiting, who's making the medicine. The idea of this, and it is a little hippy-dippy, guys, is that the person that makes the medicine, that puts it into pill form, that's growing the mushrooms, all of that energy is a part of the plant. Is there a scientific study to that part of it? Not on mushrooms specifically, but there is scientific evidence to show the vibrance of people who sing to their food when they're cooking it or food made with love. Right, or like talking to plants. Right, so they have done studies on that. Not for this specific. Not specific mushrooms, correct. So microdosing is subperceptual, which means you can't perceive it too much and you should be able to go about your daily life unimpaired while microdosing. It's not the same thing as taking a higher dose or what they call a hero's journey to produce a psychedelic journey. However, working intentionally with any amount of medicine can bring up unexpected memories, feelings, and integration support can make a huge difference and how you benefit from it. Psychedelics have become more mainstream, but it's not without its dangers. Some people, and we'll talk about this, do have 
have psychotic episodes after taking them. Not microdosing, but taking the hero's journey. Okay. Psychedelics have an extremely low chance of lethal overdose, and there is very little likelihood of addiction. As a result, they've been classified by experts as some of the least harmful recreational drugs, but that doesn't mean they aren't entirely without risk. Chance of psychosis is low. However, the risk is elevated for people who have a personal or family history of schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Psychedelics and ketamine do raise blood pressure and heart rate, so people with heart conditions and uncontrolled high blood pressure, heart disease, and arrhythmias are advised not to take them. These drugs do alter brain activity, which could possibly cause a seizure if someone is already epileptic. Serotonin syndrome, which was the one I was the most concerned about, is a thing, so you do have to be careful if you are taking high doses of medication. I'm not talking about microdosing. I'm talking about hero's journey of psychedelics and also taking an SSRI. So don't combine. You can microdose and combine, but you should not be taking a hero's journey, like tripping out while on an SSRI. Oh, I didn't know that. Because you can get serotonin syndrome. The percentage isn't that high, but it's still a possibility. Doctors believe that taking psilocybin and ketamine could be of enormous value, but we are going to miss it if we're not mindful of the risks. Like it could be taken away from us by the government or whatever, if we're not also mindful of these risks. So I have done quite a bit of study on this. I feel like we need to also say we are not medical professionals. We are simply relaying information that is readily available to everybody else to read. Take it with a grain of salt. We're just sharing something that Carrie found of interest. And it's also a mom trend right now. We're just giving you the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. So I find this really interesting. And just speaking from personal experience, I've noticed that my SSRIs are not really working. Well, that's what they say is after a while, they stop being as potent. Like those mints, half of an edible, essentially. And this is not a mint that makes you feel loop-de-doo in any way in that when I'm feeling tense because I don't smoke anymore and I just need something that's going to relax me and I take this mint, I'm just chill. I'm not high in any way. I'm just chill. I really recommend doing your research, know about serotonin syndrome, talk to your doctor, know the health risks. Also, have someone around that will support you in this journey, whether it's your partner, ideally also your therapist. You should really not go at this alone. Even if you're microdosing, you should have someone that you should be able to talk to about this and process your emotions, whoever that might be. Check out our Patreon for more information. Again, we're just relaying information. I am not on a microdosing journey of any kind, but I do think it's important for people to consider why things have been deemed illegal and why things have been perceived not good for us. It's important to consider both sides because sometimes it's not because they're not actually good. Sometimes it's because there's some underlying motivation. Yeah. I'm backing what you said in that it's important to do your research and do your homework before you make a leap like that because you really want to know your shit. And the last thing you want is to be in some kind of crazy altered state that you're really uncomfortable with and panic. Yeah, or give yourself a seizure. Yeah, none of that's going to help you. Hashtag swag bag. I have two. One is this amazing flip book. I got it in the store, but I put the Amazon link. It'll be in our Amazon storefront. It's called the Mood Flip Book for Kids. And basically, it's pictures. And then on the back of the picture is, this is what's happening if you're feeling this way. And this is how you can get out of feeling this way. Angry, content, happy, frustrated. And it shows a face, sort of like that pain scale face that they do at the hospital. Yeah. And then it says, you know you're this if you're feeling this way. Here's what to do to get out of it. It's really 
really helped Luna because Luna is like a hotbed of emotions. And I've been trying to get her to name the more complex emotions rather than just saying, I'm happy, I'm sad, I don't feel good. At night, we go, what is your face now? What is mommy's face? Harkening back to that article, it helps give you some of the social cues of what people are thinking and feeling. The second one is I'm really deep into the over 40 makeup tutorials on TikTok. Oh, I love them. Somebody mentioned this and it was 99 cents. So I figured, why not? I'm wearing it right now. Wet and wild nutty. I love wet and wild. 99 cents. Is it a brown? I can't really see. Yeah, it's like a champagne-y brown. Where'd you get it? Dollar Tree? I got it at Walgreens, Dwayne Reed. It's on Amazon though, if you want. But it's probably not 99 cents. It's still 99 cents. Oh, nice. I've been having a problem where my eyeshadows all of a sudden look dusty on me. Eyeshadows that I've had forever that I've always used that work. And then I find a makeup tutorial literally about why does over 40 your eyeshadow look dusty? Why is it? The consistency of your skin changes. Things don't lay well. I had no idea. Certain kind of metallic glitter doesn't look good. All these different things. This was one of the eyeshadows that they recommended. You want more of a soft wash of color, sunset, rather than these delineating eyeshadow trends that we're seeing. It's more like a soft wash of color. So I got it and it did not disappoint. I mean, how could it for 99 cents? Mine is this Beauty Pie Super Luminous Under Eye Genius Corrector. What the fuck is Beauty Pie? Worst name ever. It is a very bad name. Bye, bye, Miss Beauty Pie. I'm noticing my under eyes are hollowing and dark. Yeah, me too. And so we've been doing a lot of things to fix it. I've tried three and they are not working. In terms of lightening up my under eyes, this is the solution. Beauty Pie, basically it's like a membership thing. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like it either. You mean it's like an MLM? Everything is an MLM. It's not, but it kind of feels that way. So you pay a membership to be part of it and then you get really high end. Can I get that without it? I did, but without it, it's really expensive and they had a 50% off code. So I ended up getting it for, I think it was like $20. And I don't know if that code is still good. I don't know if Beauty Pie is the way to go, but I will tell you, I think you should jump through whatever hoop you need to jump through to get this shit. I don't know if other color correctors for under eyes are really good. I'm sure there's something at Sephora you can probably find, but this is the one I've been using. This is now my holy grail. I also know that this is going to last me for like three years. I just bought three that I hate. Oh, really? Well, this is really good. Next time I see you, I will bring it for you to try. Thank you. Before you commit to it, my only gripe with it, people put concealer over it. I think that's a lot. I guess I'm not used to being light under my eyes because then it's like shocking if I put other stuff under too. You're like, hey, ghost. I do set it with powder. If I'm wearing mascara, sometimes I get a little diva eye, which is weird because I don't normally get that. I think it's just like the creaminess of the color corrector. That's my only issue and it's minor and I'm willing to deal with it. I let it set and then I take a fluffy eyeshadow brush. They're going to try and sell you a special brush. You don't need one. And you just let it sit for a second and you just lightly push and pull. That's it. Look at this. Oh my God. I'm going to need that. These triangle powder puffs that all the beauty influencers use on TikTok. I finally bought it and it's worth the $7 for 12 or whatever it was. It's the only one that really gets under the eye and pats it in. Love it. All right, guys. Have a good week. We love you. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. 
So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast. Written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.